0: I want to publicly commend all the ladies. I understand there were almost 300 ladies uh, at our main campus for prayer on yesterday and then another 200 that were praying and watching via periscope. So almost about 500 ladies uh, praying on yesterday. So I want to thank you all for bringing your supply to spirit It's also an indication of the strength of the fast because, you know, so many people are engaged and involved, so we really appreciate that. But I also want to publicly say this. The guys, we had a little bit over 200. Listen to me. Listen to me. I am not satisfied. This is the last year that the ladies will have more ladies praying than men. Mark that down. 2006. The fellas didn't even go with me on that. Let me try the men on this side of the room. This is the last year that there will be more ladies praying than men praying and lift up church. And I always like to say it this way boys will always make an excuse, men will make a way that's the difference boy's going to tell you why he can't be there he's going to give you an excuse a man is going to make a way i am telling you it's, a, it's so important that we lead from the front now I commend the ladies but, but as a leader I am not accepting that another year now I know they'll get all fired up go get friends they'll, they'll, be, they'll be driving to the church see another lady walking down the street what you doing right now we got to beat the men this year. No. Hey, fellas, we can never let that happen again, okay? All right, God bless you. You can be seated out there. I won't be up before you all long today. We want to spend some time also praying in the service. Again, today is day 14 of the fast. And man, what a day one intensity. I'm just, I feel great. I, God is good. My body feels great. Energy is high. Man, I love fasting. This is my favorite time of the year. I love being able to demonstrate to food and, and other things that it does not run my life and does not have control of my life, but God has control of my life. And it's just a real blessing. Uh, this is the most I've challenged myself ever during the fast, and I just thank God for his abundant grace that has been with me, and I'm actually going to even try to challenge myself even greater these last seven days. And so today we're going to talk about really the focus for today is souls, Okay. And last night, the Lord, or actually yesterday afternoon, the Lord gave me a title for this message called Moved by Compassion, Purpose, and Love. Moved by Compassion, Purpose, and Love. And these points will go up on the screen. And the Lord just had me do a study about why souls were so important to Jesus. Jesus, for me, is my example. I never look to another man as my role model. I can look up to them and I can appreciate what they do. But my role model is Jesus Christ himself, and he's the person that I try to pattern myself after. So I try to learn from him and study, and I really want to model and mimic and imitate and have his heart that he had towards people and why souls were important to him. So if you all would just follow along with me on this journey, there'll be three points today. Point number one, Jesus had a compassion for souls. He had a compassion for souls. Go to Matthew chapter 9. He had a compassion for souls. For souls And compassion means sympathy. He had pity for souls. He was sympathetic for people that were less fortunate and without God. And so in Matthew chapter 9, let's begin reading at verse 35. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when they saw the multitudes, watch this now, he was moved with compassion for them. And that word moved there can also be translated as motivated. So when he saw all of these people that, was, that were lost, it motivated him to do something about it. So me I mean, it's one thing to have sympathy for people, but it's another thing to actually do something about it, okay? We'll talk more about that in a moment. And it goes on to say uh, in verse 30, wrote uh, the rest of that verse, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were... A uh, weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, "The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." So, what Jesus looked out and saw was people that were tired, downtrodden. They were beaten up. They were weary. They were hungry, and that moved him to be sympathetic towards those people, and it also moved him to action, which we'll talk about in a moment. But what I love here is that he identified that there were more people out there than he had laborers to meet their needs. And so he said, guys, let's pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send more laborers into the vineyard. How I many you know there are plenty of people in Atlanta that need to be saved? There are over 6.5 million people in Atlanta and growing. And I don't know about you, I was out at Lenox Mall uh, last week and it just grieved me to see how lost our younger people are. And the level of gender confusion was just out of this world. And almost every store I went in, I'm like, wow, really? I mean, and, and to the people that were there, this is normal. This is, this is how we are. You know, this is how we do it today. This is, and, but I'm, I'm, there's a compassion coming on me and I'm like, we need to do something about this, right? And so, one aspect is obviously praying to the Lord of the harvest. But there's another aspect to it is that we as a church and as individuals need to be motivated to actually go out here and do something about this. Listen, folks, people aren't coming to church in 2016, people are tired of church, and they're tired of church people. Folks, we have to take the church to the world, and we have to come to them on their terms and locate them where they're at and let Jesus meet them right there, all right? I'll talk more about that in a moment. Go to Matthew chapter 14. Let's look at it another way uh, about Jesus had a compassion for lost souls. Matthew chapter 14, verse 14 says, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude once again, and he was moved with compassion. But notice, it led him to do something, and he healed their sick. So he wasn't just moved and didn't do anything. So there has to come a day where prayer is one aspect of it. Thank God we pray for the lost, and we pray for lost souls. But at some point, we've got to get, off, get up off of our rusty dusties and go do something about this, right? And, and what it is, folks, is meeting the needs of people where they are. One of the greatest soul-winning strategies you will ever see in your life is to be able to take to people what it is that they need and then help their lives come up. How many know their hearts are wide open after that to now hear about Jesus? And I'm going to prove that in a moment through the life of Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 15. Let's look at it another way. We know in two or three witnesses things can be established. Matthew chapter 15, verse 32. Now Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the multitude." Because they have now continued with me three days and having nothing to eat, I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint along the way. Wonderful heart towards people, compassion towards people. He's got a group of people, 5,000 is what the scripture describes, but it doesn't talk about women and children. So there's possibly 15,000 people in this crowd that have been with him for at least three days And he's noticed that they haven't eaten. You know, it's one thing to say, well, Father, I pray right now that you would take their hunger pains away. And, Father, I just pray that that they will not notice that they're hungry. And, Father, send food to them however you can. I mean, that's one aspect, but but he took it a step further. The disciples didn't see the same way that he saw, didn't have the same faith that he had. But he said, I'm going to feed all of these people myself. Now, how many of y'all know they're not going anywhere after that? Now they're not just hearing about God, they're seeing God. Everybody clear? All right. Now, such compassion motivated Jesus to do two things. These will go up on the screen. First thing it motivated him to do was to ask his disciples to pray that God might send out laborers into the harvest. That's in verse Matthew chapter 9, 37 and 38 that we read. We don't have to go back there and look at it again. Here's my challenge to linked up church today. Folks, I believe we can pray to God and ask him to send more laborers but the laborers are right here in this room. So so you're here as I pray in a moment here. I'm not really praying God to send more people. I'll be praying that God sends us. We are the laborers that God wants to see. And he wants to use us to do something about the problems that are going on in Atlanta. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing all these boys who don't know that they're boys. I'm tired of seeing all these girls that don't know that they're girls. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of all of this sex trafficking. I'm tired of drugs. I'm tired of killing. Come on, we can't change the world, but we can at least change the world that we live in or at least make an impact on it, where people can say that church at least cared because they tried to do something about it. Second thing it led him to do was to do something about it himself. So you'll notice in that text in Matthew chapter 9, he fed the 5,000. That's one aspect. And so I believe there's something called outreach, which is that. There will be a day, folks, where we will take Man, we're going to take God's goodness to the world. What does that look like? We're going to have, folks, an Operation Blessing Center with refrigerators and stoves and clothes and furniture to just help people that are in a tough spot right now. I'm not talking about, do you know Jesus if you were to die today? Do you know? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I see that you're hurting, and we have some resources here that can help you. And I don't even want to talk about Jesus until after we first address what their needs are." Now, how I many of know they're very open at that point to hear about how good God is, because God just showed them how good he is. I'm dreaming about owning two someday, four plexes someday, and eight plexes someday, 16 units someday. Why, Pastor Gregory? So that when people are down and out, do they need to be a member of your church? No, they need to be a human being for God's sake. Come on, somebody. They don't need to come in and check their giving record. Come on, somebody, to see if they've given enough to qualify for aid and assistance. No, they need help right now. They can't give. And sometimes people just need a place to stay, a transitional house. For three months, for six months, until I can get back up on my feet. Hello, somebody. And then we've got Job Link to send them to to help them be more employable. We've got small groups. We've got Dream Team, folks. People need to see Jesus, not just hear about Jesus. And so, it moved him to not just pray, but to do something about it himself. So there's outreach, but then there's inreach. Go to uh, Matthew chapter ten. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 says, And when he had, and this is right after Matthew chapter 9. So you've got all 15,000 people, and he said, now we need to organize some strategy here. Look what he says here in Matthew chapter 10. He says, uh, verse 1, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, to them, to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So he wasn't just concerned about feeding them. He wanted their lives to be well too. I don't know about you. I don't want a full belly with leprosy. Right? I I don't want a full belly and and my children are sick. Right? So he gave them authority. Drop down to verse 5. And then the 12, uh, Jesus sent out in verse 5 and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. And do not enter into the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. So in other words, fellas, give the lost the same thing that I've given you, right? And so he wasn't satisfied with the 15,000. He said there are more people out there that still need Jesus. Don't go to the Gentiles, but go to the lost sheep of Israel. Folks, so we have to have outreach. We also have to have in-reach. Well, what is the in-reach at Length Up Church? It's called small groups, folks. You can reach people that I cannot reach. There are people that you work with that I will never meet. There are people that you live next door to that I will never meet in my life. There are people that you work out with at the gym that I will never meet in my life, but you know that they need Jesus. How do I know? How many of you have ever come out of a conversation seen someone, and as soon as you walked away, you said, boy, they need Jesus in their life. <laughs> How many of y'all have ever done that? Well, see, if you noticed that, then why didn't you give them Jesus? Amen. See, why weren't you moved with compassion? And God forbid you talked about him. Which is why the people don't have any respect for the church. Because we spend so much time talking about people. We need to spend more time helping people. Oh, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. amen. I have a challenge question for you today. Do you ever find yourself filled with compassion for the lost? Do you? Follow up question. And how are you doing something about it? What are you doing about it? See, is it just about you, you're for, and no more? Just about you coming to church, getting what you need, going on and having a great week while everyone else around us is struggling? Or has my compassion moved me to get involved and ask God, what is my role? What is my part to play? What do you want me to do in this effort to save this lost and dying world? Go to First John chapter 3. Let me give you a scripture to help point you in a direction. First John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Says, by this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to also lay down our lives for the brethren. And whosoever has this world's goods, sees his brother in need, shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue but in deed and in truth. At some point, it has to motivate you to do something. Now, on last night or yesterday afternoon while I was studying this, I had like an open vision, something that I had completely forgotten about, and it just blew me away. Open vision, and in this open vision, this person is a member of this church today and very connected to this church. While I was pastor in Faith Christian Center, on a Wednesday night, I was leaving Bible study, and I was driving down South Cobb heading towards Windy Hill. I didn't know this person. I just recognized them from the church. I don't think I even ever met him. And so I rode by and saw them, and their car pulled over, uh, and pretty much, I think they had like maybe a gas can or something like that in their hand. Now, my first uh, reaction was flesh, and I rode by you know, you all ever done that? See somebody you know, turn your head straight, hope they don't see you and keep on going. <laughs> Come on, don't act, like, don't act like you've never done that before. Oh, Jesus. Come on, ha- have you all ever done something like that before? I'm just being transparent with you. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. I want to see you too. Good to see you. Hey, I- I'm being transparent. But when I got to Windy Hill, the Spirit of God convicted me and said, go back and check on them. And so I uh, turned the car around Went back and checked on them, but I can remember, I, I don't know which one I had in the car with me. It was my son or my daughter. But I had a concern about pulling that car over with, with one of my kids in the vehicle. And uh, But, I, you know, I went on and I did uh, I said, okay, I checked my spirit, and I got out the car, and I said, are you okay? And the person said, no, nah, I've ran out of gas, and I don't have any money. I've got this gas can, but I don't have any money. And so, you know, right away, Lord kind of said, well, fill the gas can up. I told him to get in the car, which was a concern. Again, I've got one of my little ones in the car. Don't you ever do nothing like this unless God leads you to do it. Plus, I can look at him physically and, and say, if he ain't got a weapon, I'm going to wear him out up in here. He's going to get beat down if he tries something crazy, and him a mop him up if he tries. But anyway, make a long story short. And so I seen him around the church. So we go to the gas station, which was right nearby. We filled the gas can up, right? And so we go back, fill his car up, but that's a really enough gas to get him where he needs to go. And so the Lord convicted me again and said, Now take his car and fill his car up. Right? And so then we drove his car back. I filled his car up, right? And then after filling his car up, the Lord said, If he didn't have, if he didn't have any money for gas, he probably didn't have any money to eat. So give him some money. So I, mean, I, I think I had $40 in my pocket. I pulled out one of those 20s. And. Uh, <laughs> Come on, let's keep it 100 now. Come on, let's keep it real. Right? And the Lord said, no, give him all of it. <laughs> now, I'm going to show you something here. I'm going to teach you something here. I had forgotten all about this. Forgotten all about it. Helped him out, blessed him. Forgot all about it. Okay? On last year, what, what you all wouldn't know, yeah, uh, you know, I used to love to dress. If you're from Detroit, Michigan, dressing is important. So I used to love to dress. And uh, when I got married and had children, I mean, you know, I couldn't, you know, I haven't dressed like that since then because other things became more important to me. Not because I couldn't, but, but private school and saving for my kids, college education, and, you know, providing a better life for my family became more important to me than, to me than, than all that other stuff. And so on last year, I didn't even realize this until yesterday. That same gentleman, there was a pair of shoes. There was a, a pair of shoes that I would only buy in Detroit. It's anywhere from 8 to $1,200 pair of shoes that you can buy when you're single and you work for Ford Motor Company. <laughs> and between all your jobs, you make over six figures. That's not, you know, you go out and reward yourself, okay? And so I, I um, these shoes, I love them. And on last year, this same individual, folks, the exact same person, bought me four pair of those shoes. Four pair. And some, I'm, I'm, I'm really talking about $4,000, $4, dollars worth of shoes. Right? He would have never known that that particular brand was the shoe that I love unless the Spirit of God told him that. Some of the most beautiful suede jackets you'll ever see, he blessed me with last year the exact same gentleman. When he's blessing me with him, I don't even remember that it's the same guy that the Lord had me pull over on the side of the road. This is why you never look down on people. Amen. And you never judge them for where they're at because you don't know where God has taken them. Now that same person today is a business owner and highly successful. Just called me not too long ago and said, I just ordered you two more. And when I tell you, this is some of the most beautiful. It sent me a text message of some of the most beautiful stuff you ever see. And think about this, folks. That is not what I was thinking about. All I was doing, I was moved with compassion to help someone. And you never know who God will use. I'll tell you another story. There was a young man who came to our youth service. I'm just trying to help you. Treat everybody the same. Came to our youth service, a thug, an alcoholic, and a weedhead. Kid out of wedlock at 15 years old, and the Lord said to me, mentor him. I don't know him from Adam. The Lord said, spend time with him. And so I did. I didn't know what his life was. I didn't know he was a football player. I didn't know any of that, folks. I'm trying to teach you something. So at that moment, the world is throwing him away because he's a thug, in games, got a kid, all of that. I don't know anything about what he does. Kid plays football. So he started telling me, I want to play in the NFL. And I started telling him, it's going to start by you cleaning your life up. You're never going to play in the NFL until you graduate from high school. So education has to be important to you, right? And then you're not going to play in the NFL if you don't go to college. So you got to get good test scores. And I started spending time with him listening to this, folks, once a week. And then I would be at his football games when his own parents weren't there. And he'd look up in the stands and see my wife and I when his own parents weren't there. When he played in college, we'd be the ones waiting on him afterwards. I don't think he's getting ready to go pro. I'm just supporting him. You all understand? I'm just supporting him. So when he'd come out, we'd be there to say, good game today, man. We just want you to see us. know we were here supporting you. Well, lo and behold, the boy went on to be the uh, real stud. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I'll say about it. But listen to this. You know that check that was on my front porch? The check that was on my front porch, this man called my best friend and investigated, had him call the administrative office in Southfield, trying to figure out what my salary was. And, and we hadn't had a conversation. All he put in there was, so you can continue to do what God called you to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. And not have to worry about how to take care of your family. Soul winning is important, folks, and you never know who God is leading you to save and what they might become that might end up being a great blessing in your life. So are you moved with compassion, and then is that compassion leading you to do something about it? Number two, Jesus had a sense of purpose. Go with me to John chapter 4, and I'm going to save some time and just give you a synopsis of John chapter 4, all right? Jesus had a sense of purpose as to why he was here. So in John chapter 4, first 20 or so verses there is a dissertation between Jesus and this woman at the well. And so Jesus is leaving Judea on his way to Galilee, and on his way to Galilee, he has to go through Samaria. And so while going through Samaria, he's wearied in his journey, and so he stops by a well to get some water. And there's a woman at the well also getting ready to uh, get some water, and he says to her, give me some water. And she said to him, sir, why are you talking to me? Because the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So she was perplexed that he was even stopping to have a conversation with her and his response was, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was asking you to give me some water, in other words, you would have given me some water and then he said to her, I can give you some water so that you'd never thirst again. Well, that statement kind of messed her up a little bit and so her response was kind of, who are you? And are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well? And he drank from the well, his children drank from the well, et cetera, et cetera. And so, who are you? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Jesus went on to uh, say to her at that moment, you know, pretty much that I can give you some water where you'll never thirst again. And the water that I'll give you it'll be in you. and It'll be living water, and it'll spring up into everlasting life. Well, he's got her undivided attention now, and he said, and she says to him now, give me some of that water. I guess so. If you're going to give me some water that's never going to run out, and it's going to be in me, and it's going to spring up into everlasting life, and it's living water, wow, I'm interested in that. Well, what's the lesson here? Jesus is meeting her where she's at. I mean, when, when you want to Love on people, and you want to you need to locate where they're at before you just jump in. You're going to hell if you don't give your life to Jesus, right? So, so he met her where she was. But now, watch this now that he has her hooked because she said, Give me this water, now it's time to get to what the real issue is. Then he says to her, Go bring your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. She said, He said. And that you've truly said. You've had five husbands, and the one that you're with right now is not your husband. She said, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I guess so. (laughs) I guess so if you just told me my whole life story in a nutshell, right? And so you all know the rest of the story. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, And so he went on at that point to begin to uh, lead her and describe to her about people that worship. God must worship him in spirit and in truth and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to show you something else. His strong sense of purpose is what led him to do that. I mean, most of us will see people buy a well or at a store, grocery store. We're just going to go buy that. His compassion and his love for people and his sense of his purpose is what led him to say something and do something about it. Look at verse 27. Verse 27 here, well, let me go by this and then I'll go to that point. It says, and at this point his disciples came, And they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? And so to kind of help you understand where that statement comes from from them, they have been sent into the city to buy some food because they're hungry. They've got food on their mind. So when they get to Jesus, they say, Jesus, you haven't eaten anything either, and you need some food. But how do you know when you're doing the will of God, you're not thinking about food. right? It's just like this fast right now. It's amazing to me. Man, the grace of God has been on me. I've I've worked out five days every week the entire time, and I feel great. I'm as strong as I've ever been on much less food. And you'll find that when you're doing the will of God, you won't think about food all day every day. Why? Because doing the will of God will actually provide sustenance for you. Isn't that good? So watch what his response is in verse 34. They went through that. Jesus said here in verse 34, same chapter, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The word finished, that means accomplished. He said, fellas, you all eat the three-piece snack from Kentucky Fried Chicken. My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to accomplish his work. Sense of purpose, strong sense of purpose. Let's look at a, a few more witnesses here. Go to John chapter 5. He stated this same purpose. Uh, in his life on many other occasions. Look at John chapter 5, verse 30. He said, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. John chapter 17, verse 4. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Luke chapter 19. You all remember Zacchaeus? Everybody know the story of Zacchaeus? So I won't go through that. Let me just show you after salvation came to Zacchaeus' house, look at what Jesus said here in verses 9 and 10. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10, unto him, today salvation has come to this house. If you look at that Greek word up there, it means household. So Zacchaeus and his entire house was saved on this day because he also is a son of Abraham. But watch what he says in verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Once again, telling you what his purpose is. Folks, God did not save you to just be cute. How many of God has work for you to do? The primary work that we do as believers is winning the loss. There's no greater work we can do as the body of Christ is to make God rich by adding more souls to his kingdom. So I have a challenge question for you on point number two. Do you have that same sense of purpose in your life? And does that sense of purpose drive you to put God's will first? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? all oh, everything else you're chasing after. God said, I'll add that to you if you just investigate and pursue me first. That's how simple life is, folks. We make it complicated when we put everything else in front of him. If we'll just back that up and all I want to do, two things. He said, his way of doing and being right. How many of you know you can be right, but not do right? right? See, sitting in church today is doing right, right? But if you were at the club last night, you're not being right. I mean, if you give today, you're doing right. But if I live with someone I'm not married to, I'm not being right. Or even if I'm sleeping with someone I'm not married to, I'm not being right. And, and I move off at of this point if I get a stronger amen. How <laughs> I mean, you know if I come home to my wife, right? If I come home to my wife and I pay the bills, how I mean, you know I'm doing right? But if I got another woman on the side, I'm not being right. I'm just going to keep working these until I get a stronger amen. How I many you know if I serve in the church, I'm doing right? Amen. But if I'm drinking alcohol throughout the week, I'm not being right. Amen. And if it gets a little stronger, I'm going to move on to this next point, okay? No, that's strong enough. You all like, move, move on away from that, Pastor. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to read this text for you because it should motivate all of us to have this same sense of purpose. Look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation. How many know God chose you? That's a blessing to be chosen by God. But guess what? He didn't just choose you. His son died for the entire world. And the same way that he chose us, he wants to use us so that he can choose other people. He says, so you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Watch this. His own special people. So many people don't feel like they're special. Listen, you are special to God. You are the apple of God's eye. There's really no one that God loves more than you. God, you are so special to God, so much so that he thinks about you all day, every day, and you you never come off of his mind. He's thinking about how to bless you, how to take care of you, how to look out for you, how to fix that situation that's wrong in your life. You are special to God. He says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Notice, we are to proclaim the praises of His goodness towards us. This morning I was riding in with my driver, our uh, security person, and I, I was telling him that this was the last week that we would ride in together for the most part uh, in this vehicle, maybe one more week, and uh, we would be turning it in because it's a lease vehicle, and, and we're, gonna, uh, we're looking into it. We'll finalize the decision on another one on uh, this upcoming week. And then he just went on to talk about just how good God had been to to linked up church. And he said, man, you know, just it's nothing for me to drive out here and, and to do this because God has been so good to us. And he began to describe that. And I'm sitting back there and it's just blowing me away. But what he's doing is proclaiming the goodness of God. And he's saying it's almost like God picked us up and he just set us over here and we didn't even miss a beat. And he said, and we never had a cart like even this one in the previous situation. So not only did we not miss a beat, but God has even given us better than what we had in the previous situation. And he just went on and on and on about his office at the previous situation and his office now. And just all the things that God has done for us. I don't know about you folks, but God's been good to us. And listen, God's been good to you. He's called all of us out of something. I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I'm sorry, man. I I come from a hard place, man. If you know Detroit, Michigan, I grew up on Dexter, and Davidson, man. YBIs, Young Boys Incorporated. It does not get any uglier than what I saw for the first 12 years of my life. We did not even have a car. We caught the bus for the first 12 years of my life. I caught the bus as a first grader to go to school, walking to the bus stop. I've got to get a transfer from one bus to another bus because my mother has to work two jobs that she's got to walk to one catch the bus to the other. I've got to get on a bus and go to my grandmother's house after I get out of school because we don't have our own house. We didn't have our own house till I was 12 years old. We move into a worse neighborhood than Dexter and and Now I'm in gangs. I'm fighting. I get put out of the private schools that I'm in. They ship us to this public school in a rival gang neighborhood called Servity Middle School. You can't even get off the bus to get to the class without fighting. If you get in the class, then all of these goons and hooligans are outside the window of the class trying to pull the window up and get in the class to get at you. If you walk out of the class, You don't know what crowd you're walking to just to get through, to get from one class to the next because fists are flying all over the place. So at some point, I said as a sixth grader, you know what? I'm not going back to school. So listen to that. I'm talking about God's been good to me. I never graduated from the sixth, seventh, or eighth grade. And shame on this school. Shame on both of these schools. But because I was gifted athletically, The private school allowed me to play on their basketball team and won a city championship for them. The public school that I don't attend, the counselors know to call to make sure I'm going to be at that game by four o'clock that afternoon, but you didn't know I was in school all day long? How can you not know I wasn't in school but called home to make sure I'll be at the game? Shame on them. But thanks be to God, there was a ram in the book. There was a principal there that said, this kid is not a bad kid. So we're playing for the public school championship. We're playing against Murphy Middle School. I'll never forget this. And there are scouts all around the gym from every private school within a 60-mile radius of that location. We won that game. I played a great game, and I was offered— over 20 scholarships to attend high school as an eighth grader for free. Detroit Country Day, Birmingham Brother Rice, Bishop Borges High School, (laughs) St. Martin Deport, every private school that you can think of within a 60-mile radius was there to offer a full scholarship. And the principal said, this kid is not a bad kid. This kid can do the work. And listen to this. They sent me to high school. (laughs) Sent me to high school. Who does that? Went on to be over a 3.0 student in high school, earned a scholarship to college, graduated from college, the first one to do that in 22 years. I was the first black athlete to do that in 22 years at Bowling Green State University. Started all four years, and folks get saved at 22. God was that good to me when I didn't even know him. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And we need to proclaim his goodness to other people. And look at, man, look at what God has done for me. I hear so many people, man, listen, God is good. And you need to know that he's good for yourself. Glory to God. And so we need to have this same sense of purpose. Verse 10, who once were not a people. But are now the people of God. How many of you know I was a train wreck? I was an accident waiting to happen, but now I'm a son of God, a child of God anointed by God and doing great works for God. Come on, if God can do it for that little scrawny kid from Detroit, Michigan, if He can raise him up and make him somebody, He can raise you up and make you somebody. But He can also raise your cousin up. He can raise your neighbor up. He can raise your auntie up. He can raise your uncle up. He can raise your son up. He can raise your daughter up. I don't care how bad it looks. The power of God can change anybody's life if you'll just share that goodness with them. Folks, for all intents and purposes, jail was in my future. But God. But God. But God. Things that I'm known for today, it's amazing to me, is integrity. It's amazing to me, coming from that. That's how God can reverse your situation. And I don't care what you've been through either. Divorce is not the end of everything. I didn't, mean y'all, I didn't mean for y'all to shout. But it isn't, though. It is not. There's life after divorce. And so listen to me. If you messed up, you messed up. God's not condemning you. And don't you beat yourself up. God still has a bright future for you even brighter than the one that you just left. That's just how rich his mercy and his grace is, folks. Let's close right here. Last one. Jesus had a love of the Father. This is the most important one of the day. Jesus had a love of the Father. Jesus experienced the love of his Father. I mean, if you never experienced his love for yourself, you can't give other people what you don't have. So the, and, I, and again, I, I pray I do a good job of convincing you how much God really loves you. Do you realize you wouldn't be here today if God didn't love you? If Satan had an open shot at you, he would have took you out. But the blood of Jesus has been protecting you and keeping you and your possessions. You ought to lift your hands right there and just, just thank God for life, man. God has been good at the gym the other day. This guy was telling me about all his problems, everything that he went through. I let him get through all of it. And then this is what I said to him, but you're still alive, which means you still have hope. And you can recover everything that you lost and some if you just change your attitude. (sighs) Go with me to John chapter 15. Help me, Lord. To convince this audience how much you love them today, John chapter fifteen verse nine. Look at what Jesus said here. If you have a red letter edition, he said, "As the Father loved me, I also have loved you." Notice what he said. He Say, "As the Father loved me, I've loved you." And, and folks, I'm telling you, listen to me, single people. This is how this flows. Never ever say this the right way. Never ever look past what you actually see people do. I hope I'm saying this the right way. People will tell you anything. Pay attention to what they do. Because if they've never received his love, they can't give you anything. And I'm trying to be delicate how I say this. I can't give you a greater revelation. I don't care how they look, how successful they are, how much money they make. If They have never received his love. They can't give you what you need. Amen. Period. <laughs> Period. Period. Verse 10, he said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You'll live in my love. Just as, I, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, and I live in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And I got a revelation of this last night, Minister Vinnie. You know how we say, you, you can have joy with linen in your pocket. You, you can have joy when you don't have nothing, but your joy will be full when you get a little money in your pocket. How many of y'all have ever heard that before? Right? That's not what he's talking about here. The only way you're going to experience full joy is to know how much God loves you. And that full joy comes when you obey him and then he manifests himself to you. And your joy is full. There's no greater joy you can have than to know that God loves you. Which means anything that comes my way, God loves me too much to allow it to win in my life. That's, that's the fullness of his joy, is to know how much he loves you. Just say it. Say, God loves, God loves me. Let's keep reading here. It says, these things have I spoken unto you that your joy, yours may remain in you, but that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Go to John chapter 17. Let's look at verse 26. Jesus had experienced God's love so much that he wanted to share that with other people. You know, my daughter was in the earlier service today, and she has my heart. I mean, it's just I don't know any other way to describe that. That girl just has my heart. When I look at her, I melt, if you all understand what I mean. And you know what it is? So much so, there are things she'll go to my wife about. My wife, go see your daddy. Because she know her daddy's going to do it for her. And I can't help it. <laughs> Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Anybody? There are times I say I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. She get right up to me, Daddy, what can I do for you? And I just change. And you know what it is? It's really just transferring to her what he gives me. My son is a, I'll never forget this, he's a 13 year old boy just like any other 13 year old boy in this room. So I walked in and it was a situation. And so, you know, your first impression is the discipline. And the Lord said to him, He doesn't need discipline. He needs instruction. And so listen to this. I sat him down, and I said, son, you're not getting ready to get in trouble. I went through this same thing. The difference was I didn't have a father to tell me what I'm getting ready to tell you. I had the streets telling me what to do. And so this is what I said to him. We walked through that whole thing together. And that's why I said, you're not in any trouble. And listen, you'll never get in trouble for learning how to grow up. And I gave him a big hug, and this is what he said. Thank you, Dad. Just Loving him. You know, I've made some mistakes since I've been saved. And God didn't pull out no paddle on me. He used his word and his love to instruct me. Come on, somebody. Come on, God didn't isolate me in some room by myself. And tell me not to come out for hours. He gave me some information. And he instructed me. And he lovingly helped me get where I needed to be. And he didn't withhold no blessings from me either. In fact, he used his goodness to keep leading me towards him. My parenting style is changing the more and more I realize that the way he loves me I have to love other people the same way. John chapter 17. I declare to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus' last prayer is called the disciples' prayer. He's praying for the disciples that the love, God, that you loved me with would be in them. I mean, I know he knew God loved him. I'm going to close right here for today. Go to John chapter 14, and we're going to take two or three minutes, five minutes or so, to just pray for the lost. I want you to start thinking about someone that you'd love to see give their lives to Christ in 2016. Go with me to John chapter 14. I want to ask you this challenge question Have you experienced the love of the Father in your life? Have you experienced that for yourself? Because that's important. Because you're gonna treat other people based off of how you believe He loves you, and I can prove this to you. How many of y'all have run into people and their attitude is just bad? It's just poor, you know. And they're and they're talking like this. Well, should I do something for say nobody never never done nothing for me? I'm doing nothing, man. What you talking about? Do something for you? man? That's man, you crazy? Nobody do nothing. Everything I have. So how many of you know they don't they don't understand the love of the Father, right? See, when you start talking about all men are bad and all guys are this and all this is that and all that is that, I mean, you don't know the love of the Father because all aren't that way. There's some good men in this world. A lot of them sitting right in this church today. A lot of them sitting right in this building today. Guess what? There's some good women in the world too. A lot of them sitting right in this building right here. My wife will tell you, I came home, Minister Johnny, about two weeks ago from preaching. And I just left the Marietta Church and then came over here. And, and I said to her, I said, boy, if I was single, it wouldn't take me long at linked up church. Man, I'd go in there just weekly, just bagging them. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. One of them going to be the right one. You all know what I mean? <laughs> when I say bagging them, I'm not talking about anything negative here. I'm talking about introducing myself and getting to know them. But man, it's some beautiful women at Linked Up Church. If I if I, if I, if I, if I, if I was a single guy ready to get married, nowhere else I need to go. I, I mean, if I go to both services, I go to 9 a.m. I go to 9 a.m. in Marietta. I'm listening to the message. Don't get me wrong. Then how many of you know I'm gonna start my hunting right after that service is over? Then I'm gonna come right to the 11 a.m. service and see what my options are. In Atlanta, I want to see suburbs and (laughs) cities. Between the two of them, I can get the job done. You know what I'm saying? Let's close right here. John chapter 14. He, how many of y'all know we can kind of think we love God, but the only one that can define love is God right? I've learned this the hard way in marriage. How many people in here are married? I've learned this the hard way. How, you know, the, the only way real love can be defined in terms of how my wife needs to be loved is by her and vice versa. You know, the only way for her to know how to love me is she's got to understand what my definition of love is, right? And so, if you're like me, most men, you know, if I come home, I love you. <laughs> y'all scared. See, they're scared. I'm all man. Y'all scared. I'm, I said if she was sitting right there. See, no, we've been through all this. If I'm paying the bills, I love you. What are you talking about? I don't love you. The bills are paid, aren't they? I love you. you. You have a car to drive, don't you? There's a car in the driveway, right? I love you. I mean, I can go on. And I, I mean, I'm not trying, I've been the lead actor in this movie. What are you talking about? Love you. <laughs> what more you want me to do? I love you. I come home every day. I bring the check home. I love you. How many of you know that's not how she defines love? Now, let me show you the maturity in my marriage. This is how she defines love. It starts... Early in the morning, as soon as I wake up. Good morning, baby, with a kiss. Morning, breath, and everything. It's good morning, baby. (laughs) I'm not finished. Then it's some kind of salutation before I leave the house. Right? Can't leave without giving a kiss. You know, most guys, I just kissed you when I got out to bed. (laughs) You want another kiss before I leave the house. It's another kiss before I leave the house. Listen to this. It's multiple check-ins throughout the course of the day. Just thinking about you. How you doing? Love you. Right. Then it's a check-in time on what time I'll be home. Right. And then if I veer from that, I need to call and make the adjustment that I won't be home at six like I said. I'm gonna be home a little bit later. Then when I get home, I gotta put everything down, sit down at the table, give her another kiss. If she cooked dinner, I need to say thank you after she cooked dinner and then offer to the help to clean up the kitchen and put the stuff up after it's done, right? Then I need to sit down. This is how she defines love. I don't define it this way. Still don't. Still don't. But you got go to go along and get along if you want to have a good marriage. You understand? So, so, so now watch this. And so then after that, we got to sit down and talk about how the whole day went details, not how is your day good. <laughs> What'd you do today? Nothing. <laughs> no, it's details, right? Then we can get to how I define love. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Don't leave. Come on, Come on. Then we can get to how I define love because I define it quite differently. And that's for a marriage meeting, so I'm going to leave that portion of it out of here. Yay, but I learned the hard way, don't do that all day long. And then show up at 10, 10, 10 p.m. I'm like, hey, baby, hey. <laughs> you ain't said nothing to me all day long. We haven't talked. There's something in there on the stove. You can warm it up if you want to. <laughs> Come on, everybody here know what I'm talking about? It ain't happening. It's just not going down. And I can tell by what she put on, what she's wearing, says, don't touch me, don't come near me, don't say nothing to me. you ain't said nothing to me all day, don't say nothing to me now. You wasn't thinking about me all day. Now all of a sudden you're thinking about me. Come on, am am I preaching real good? Single people, I hope you will listen. Listening, because that's the way that works. I cannot define love for her. She has to define it for me. And if I want to have a good marriage, then I gotta love her the way she needs to be loved. And vice versa. She can't def- I'm simple. I'm real simple. Don't take a whole lot for me. <laughs> Clean house, some food to eat. I'm a happy man. Come on, Deacon Chisholm. That's why you've been married 50 years. You know what I'm talking about. I'm a happy man right there. Come on to a clean house. Some food to eat. John chapter 14. He who has my commandments and keeps them, watch this. It is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him And manifest myself to him. You hear what he just said? If you keep my commandments, I'll make myself real to you. See, so many people, it's amazing to me. You know, they'll tell me that tithes are no longer for the day. Listen, tithes are no longer for you. But listen, I don't even tithe anymore. There's a percentage that I give beyond that. That's like the worst I'm going to ever do anytime I give off of income and increase, right? You know why? Because for 26 years, he's shown me how real he is. Yes, I've never had a bill go unpaid. I've had perfect credit score over 800 for 26 straight years. And you're going to tell me that that's not for today? Tell me your story if you don't do it. Let's compare stories. Never had a need go unmet. Been debt free three times as an adult. Paid everything off three times. Tell me your story. Let's share stories if it's not for today. You're not going to convince me that he's not real in that area. It's nothing you can do or say. He's proven himself for 26 straight years. Hallelujah. Try to get me to cheat on my wife. If you have, show me it's a better way. Show me the end result of that. Because I'm not doing it. Why? I've had peace in my home for 18 years. How I many know oh, hell has no fury like a woman's scorn? So much so, he said, it's better for you to go sleep in the corner of the roof than to dwell in the house with an angry and contentious woman. I'm keeping my woman happy. Because we all know if mama's not happy, look at what he said. He said, if you keep my commandments, i gonna show you how real I am. I'm going to reveal myself to you. Judas, not Ascariot, as said to him, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, once again, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. and My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, how many of y'all know if, if Jesus and God living in your home, you don't have nothing to worry about? Come on, somebody, you don't have nothing to be concerned about. If they live with you. Two things. He said, I'm going to show you who I am, manifest myself, and me and the Father are going to come live with you. If you love me the way I define love, which is keeping my word. That's how simple this is. You want good things from God, all you got to do is keep his word. Is that legalism? No, it's called faith. Right? Right? The finished work of Christ has already provided everything that you need. You just need to respond to it the right way. And how many of you truly believe it, then you'll live it. And if you'll live it, you'll see it. Greatest decision I ever made, I'm challenging every man, single male in this room, was to not sleep with my wife prior to marriage. That's what makes me a man. Uh, No, I'm making you uncomfortable. Next greatest decision I ever made in my life outside of Jesus, was to not ever cheat on my wife. You won't find a female anywhere that will tell you I did anything inappropriate with her. Nowhere. Great decision in my life. It's the next greatest decision, it's to be a father to my children. Not part-time, full-time. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What's the next greatest decision I made? to be the pastor of the greatest people in the United States of America. Linked up church. Come on, somebody, give yourselves a big round of applause out there. Great, great decision. We're going to come and we're going to make our home with him. And he who does not love me does not keep my words, plain and simple. The word which you hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. I'm done for today. I pray that today you are motivated by compassion to do something about your purpose in life. And your purpose is to represent heaven to a lost and dying world. And I pray that that becomes on you stronger and stronger and you get involved in small groups. And when we begin to have other outreach efforts, in and outreach, you get involved and you let that move you to do something. And then finally, that you'll experience the love of God for yourself and want to share that world, that love, with everyone that you come in contact with. Let's take a few minutes right now, two or three minutes. Do you have that person that you know needs to know Jesus in their life? Let's pray for them right now. And if you want to get in agreement with the person on either side of you or you want to keep it to yourself, however you're led, that's perfectly fine. But let's pray for them and ourselves right now. So, Father, I join my faith with every person today who has someone on their heart, Father. It could be a son or a daughter.